One morning, when Gregor Samsa woke from troubled dreams, he found himself transformed in his bed into a horrible vermin. He lay on his armor-like back, and if he lifted his head a little, he could see his brown belly, slightly domed and divided by arches into stiff sections. The bedding was hardly able to cover it and seemed ready to slide off any moment. His many legs, pitifully thin compared with the size of the rest of him, waved about helplessly as he looked. Hi, this is Darian Bates. And this is Dr. Tobias Wilson Bates. And this is The Stories We Tell Our Robots. It's the podcast about how we make our technology. And how our technology makes us. is super sexy um, <laughs> that, that is horrific um yeah. just know ooh, however uh, bad your day is going gregor samsa had a worse day than you <laughs> at least you don't have a uh an exoskeleton so all right so let me see if i can uh, Ooh. okay um what is that I know that this this isn't the game we play. I'm not trying to guess. Yeah, I was about to say, well, man, we just changed it up. Usually I, I uh, go right into mansplaining, but... <laughs> <laughs> but now, let's first show my ignorance and then go into mansplaining. It's so much more satisfying. Uh, ooh. Uh, Kafka's Metamorphosis. Yep. Nailed it. Oh. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of... Uh, it's so fascinating. I, I find the metamorphosis uh, such a useful tool because a lot of people have been forced to read this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, There's a lot of things that people have been forced to read that are uh, have, have questionable value at times. Yeah. But that, that also means that regardless of the value, and I do think Kafka is extremely valuable, it's a cultural touch point, you know, to, right. to some degree because it, it's it's been fed into our system of mass education um, the, the reason I wanted to go for this. So today we're going to be talking about pivots and climaxes, uh, right. Or, or as we like to refer to it, climactic pivots or pivotal climaxes. There we go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the marketing person to me is like, you got to hit that. Uh, yeah, man. Binary there. Technology that makes us and then we make the technology. There we go. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's the, I've, I've now added all the value I'm going to add in this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the, years ago, I was in a, a graduate seminar and the, the professor was like, is there any story that doesn't conform to kind of Aristotle's poetics of comedy or tragedy that either, you know, you have a you kind of movement upwards or a movement down. And I was like, what about the metamorphosis? That's just a lateral move. His life is awful. He turns into a bug. His life is awful. Um, <laughs> right. And, and what was the response from the professor? Oh, well, he came up with some reason why that didn't work. Ah, um, uh, well, that's <laughs> sophistry. All sophistry. <laughs> Welcome to academia. <laughs> um, but I, I, I picked this one to think about climaxes because uh, often in literature, a climax is this, this moment, uh, the, the, the battle between ultimate good and ultimate evil when some decisive action happens and we truly know that good will triumph or evil will triumph or 
you know, whatever the thing is, you know, it's like, Luke, I am your father. You know, what's the right. the climactic moment moments in which we come to understand the characters in a way we didn't previously. Um, and we're really dependent on it in stories. And I, I'd say in the way that tech companies define themselves, because we're still talking about our two men in a garage, how tech companies right, mythologize right. themselves. Right, right, right. Like I'll just let me just rewind just for a second and say this is our part three. Part three. Oh, we three, did it. Three, three. We're here. Of uh, right, exact God. Who knew that this would we would get to the end of this arduous journey of um, making up stuff about tech <laughs> narratives. Um, but yeah, so, but right. This is part three of the stories, uh, uh, basically about how tech companies tell their story. Yeah. Um, and so we're getting to this question of. Um, climactic pivots or pivotal climaxes. And I think it's really interesting when you think about the climax because the climaxes, companies don't have climaxes per se, or at least theoretically companies don't have climaxes. A climax is a bad thing for a company because it indicates that you're, you've done going upwards and you start going downwards. And in the world of perpetual growth, that is our uh, business system, uh, climaxes would be bad. Right, right. Climaxes don't work all that well. With, uh, yeah, with certain current market economy type stuff. Um, but I also, I, I really wanted to lead with metamorphosis because what does it look like when a story doesn't really have a climax? Um, mm -hmm. He just wakes up and he's vermin. You might, you might right. think of this as a pivot or a climax as, uh, well, certainly the most remarkable day in my life was when I turned into a bug. But <laughs> one would think. But that's not how Kafka plays the story. He actually right. makes it uh, pathetically unremarkable. Um, right. I, I wanted to use this uh, to think about this fury right now about Facebook. Mm. That have we just woken up to discover Facebook is a vermin? <laughs> <laughs> because mm. in some ways, it, this does seems no. Facebook yesterday seems no different from Facebook tomorrow. And and this is kind of right. what happens in Metamorphosis. His his life is pathetic. He's a bug. His life is pathetic. Like like Facebook's practices, Facebook's mode of being doesn't seem any different before and after this moment. Unless and Zuckerberg I think just finished up uh, at Congress, unless this is a climax. Unless right. we're about to do this pivot thing. And I'd really like you to talk about what a pivot is. Right. And so so you just gave us a little bit about what a climax is, I think, narratively speaking, and why um, kind of the metamorphosis in some ways doesn't have a traditional climax. Um, and in some ways, that makes it actually more aligned with the way that businesses actually operate. In terms of businesses, again, don't really operate in the terms of, from an operational perspective, businesses don't think of themselves as having climaxes. Mm -hmm. um, but they do have pivots, or at least the pivot is kind of the hot thing um, in kind of business theory these days. And so, I mean, I guess starting off, let me just give you kind of what a pivot is. And a pivot sort of functions a little bit like a climax in that a, a company is is moving towards something, is moving in a direction, and then it hits some sort of obstacle. And, um, and this will be more clear when I provide a couple examples here. It hits some sort of um, cap on its growth, cap on its movement, some sort of point of like true tension. And then um, as it hits that tension, it 
pivots. It shifts its strategy in a profound way. And that pivot opens up in the, in the case of successful pivots. And that's the only kind of pivot that businesses care to talk about. Um, opens up a whole new world of market opportunity, right? So you could say um, some classic pivots uh, include um, Apple, for example. Apple kind of competing in this uh, market sector for essentially the personal personal computing and desktop computing and things mm-hmm. like that. And they're, they're losing ground and the PC has, has and Windows has taken over the market and they've just, they have, they have nowhere to grow. And they pivot to mobile, right? And they pivot to kind of this universe of iTunes and iPods and music licensing and music sales. And suddenly, like, the, their whole market cap suddenly explodes. Now, they still sell desktop computing, but all their potential is now available because of this profound strategic pivot. Um, my my favorite pivot story, which you'll see in a few different, um, I think some some case studies, particularly if you go on to the like um, conference circuit and sit through um, keynote presentations, <laughs> as, um, as one does, <laughs> as one does. So is that my one of my favorite ones is um, Potbelly, the sandwich store. They started off actually as a hardware store, and. And uh, people would, would come in and they and as a way to kind of create this culture and this environment where people would come in and stay. They didn't just come in and rush in and grab a hammer, but more like, you know, a whole, you know, think small town hardware store. I think Tim Allen in, in uh, Home Improvement, like that kind of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, they would serve sandwiches. And over time, their sandwiches suddenly became more appealing and, and more, um, I wouldn't even say profitable because I don't know that they were selling them at first, but they became more attractive than the hardware store itself. And they recognized kind of this big market opportunity to move into. And it suddenly became this Potbelly the sandwich store, which is why you still see if you go into any Potbelly franchise, you end up with, you know, you have all this kind of hardware themed thing. So that's a profound pivot. The organization had to shift everything it, do- it does to be able to um, start serving that market and to take advantage of that market. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so... In some ways, when you're, re- when you're telling the story about a pivot, there is something climactic about a pivot, right? You've reached a point of, of tension, the place where it, f- and then there's a resolution from that tension. Um, the place where it doesn't mirror kind of a Aristotelian kind of poetics structure is that, you know, it's, it's like it's rising action, climax, and even more rising action. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and then we'll be even more successful in another way. Exactly. But what's interesting to me about the way you're talking about Kafka's metamorphosis is that, in fact, the transition is actually much more of the way companies, um, like pivots, actually work, which is you're going about your business on a regular, you know, in a regular way, and then you, you realize that you need to shift gears, and you shift gear, and you keep going about your business. Right, maybe a few people become richer in the process, but you know, businesses. Kind of the way that you said, I think on our last podcast, you talked when we were talking about failure. You talk about how a narrative doesn't exist until the death of the subject because you, yeah, you know, businesses, business narratives, which are being constantly inscribed based upon the present moment, really doesn't have a truly structural narrative until the business is over. And as we talked about last time, businesses don't really end very often. They just kind of keep evolving. 
Yeah. Um, and so and the pivot is actually the closest thing to a climax for if, businesses. If I could actually read you the, the beginning of the closing of, of the metamorphosis as well, just because so you can kind of bracket this idea. Um, this is his family. Uh, he's dead now. <laughs> he, got, <laughs> he, got, he got hit with an apple that got lodged in his back and became infected, and then eventually he dies. Um, oh. Yeah, it's, but not in a really climactic way. It just kind of lingers, and like, you know, the family becomes <laughs> poorer and poorer while they care for him because he's not working anymore because he's just a bug. So uh, after that, the three of them left the flat together, which was something they had not done for months, and took the tram out to the open country outside the town. They had the tram filled with warm sunshine all to themselves. Leant back comfortably on their seats, they discussed their prospects and found that on closer examination, they were not at all bad. Until then, they had never asked each other about their work, but all three had jobs, which were very good and held particularly good promise for the future. The greatest improvement for the time being, of course, would be achieved quite easily by moving house. What they needed now was a flat that was smaller and cheaper than the current one, which had been chosen by Gregor, one that was in a better location and, most of all, more practical. All the time, Greta, that's his sister, was becoming livelier. With all the worry they had been having of late, her cheeks had become pale, but while they were talking, Mr. and Mrs. Samsa were struck almost simultaneously with the thought of how their daughter was blossoming into a well-built and beautiful young lady. <laughs> um... So like everything, it's like, oh, great. And I, and I think about this in my extended parallel of, of Facebook as a sort of vermin. If Facebook dies tomorrow, is everyone just going to be like, oh, I have more free time now. <laughs> like, this, huh. is, this is kind of nice. I think I'll, oh, I think I'll watch a sports game with my friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So, so let's, let's go to this Facebook question because I think this is this, uh, kind of the second point about pivots. Um, you know, other than this idea that Facebook is vermin, which I f feels very, um, that's, that's some red meat rhetoric from you. Well, well, let's um, say this. Look, one, one, <laughs> vermin are incredibly important to the Earth's ecosystem. Fair point. Fair they're, point. They are like the connective tissue of all different kinds of biomes. All right. Um, so, you know, vermin, vermin, not only are they not all bad, they serve a vital function of... It's, um, it's, uh, I, I don't. I'm not expecting to see that into like the annual report from Facebook <laughs> anytime soon. <laughs> We're vermin, but you know what? That's that's there's a vital function there. Yeah, I mean, d to be honest, like that that seems slightly better than we may cause people to be bullied into suicide and host terrorists. <laughs> but you know, well, uh, who am I? I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure you're going to end up on any kind of real kind of messaging discovery for Facebook and crisis <laughs> communications. But but the other thing about but so I guess really where Facebook kind of fits into this is that it does kind of what you're suggesting is Facebook is currently. Um, I mean, conceptually, Facebook appears to have essentially gone through a um, maybe a better way of putting it is publicly, at least in public perception, Facebook has gone through something of a metamorphosis. It has yes. gone from being um, Gregor, I, although when, if Gregor was in fact celebrated and incredibly rich. No, and, um, no, he was not. No, no, but Facebook, on the other hand, was. And it has gone from being from but basically from transformed into something of the hero of the tech age to um although recognized as a little problematic. I mean I don't I'm I think the social network, the the movie with Jesse Eisenberg, I think I think hits some notes that I think resonated with people in terms of 
it is both a, a, a massive success and is also, I think, weighted with a certain amount of ambivalence that we have about our technology in general. Um, but they still go from being this like iconic company that, that looks like, you know, has nowhere to go but up and can't make a mistake to being vermin, to being kind of reviled. And from a, from a stock perspective, kind of their future potential is really being questioned. Right. And I, and I guess I have a question. Um, in in how it has grown over the years, and this is the business side, have they already pivoted at some point? Did the, did the, like Apple moving from computers to iPods to iPhones? Right. Has has Facebook changed their business model from when they started up to what they're doing now? Hmm. So I mean, I would argue I would argue no. I would actually say that one of the great brilliances of Facebook is that I think it had a f- a pretty good idea of its value, its true value proposition from day one. And by value proposition, I mean two potential investors, which I think made it um, immune to some of the real um, kind of missteps of something like MySpace. So if you think about MySpace, which saw itself as primarily a media channel, um, I think the the, the user experience that MySpace was having a hard time managing was that it had to sell ads in order to make money, and the ads, in turn, kind of really impacted the quality of site experience for users, and finally it became sort of junky, and I think it never really, it kind of of fell through over that time. And when Facebook really started to, to become... I don't think we want to give um, Mark Zuckerberg credit for understanding the profound value of data when he was sitting there in a Harvard dorm room coding, but he did start to understand, or he or whoever was kind of backing him, I think had a better understanding of the value of data versus the value of the platform as just being a um, a place to serve up ads. Mm-hmm. And I think in doing that, they haven't really changed their core business model at any point. They've added features. They've they've added things like the timeline, the kind of the way that you can post to your feeds, all of that. But they haven't changed the idea that I think they're first and foremost a data company, not a media company. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, they actually have not. They have never really pivoted. You could say that they've hit their. You could kind of fabricate some failure points, like as in our last point. But the idea of um, really pivoting, they haven't done that. And I think that's um, to kind of think about the pivot as being this third life cycle in in a tech company's kind of arc. Um, and again, and it, it's kind of, a, and it's maybe even a repeated life cycle because, you know, we shouldn't assume, like tech companies want to assume that they're going to be perpetually growing. But if you think about our first episode was really about Genesis and kind of these these tropes of kind of the Genesis narrative and the, the, the really the point of inception for these companies. And if point two is this kind of failure moment where they they face this obstacle and in and in really dealing with it and overcoming it, they move into kind of a stage of maturity for tech companies, at least. The pivot is that later stage where they they make a major life change to be able to kind of capture something new and grow into the future. And then you could say that they keep repeating the pivots as needed. Um, And I think the reason why Facebook's really interesting right now in this way is that Facebook is facing the exact conditions where a pivot is likely to be necessary. Yeah, yeah. And this is, 
this strikes me as the most interesting moment we're in right now. That, that in some ways, I mean, I, I think I asked this question maybe a month or two ago about what does Facebook look like in five years. But mm-hmm. I, at this point, I'm like, what does Facebook look like in five weeks? You know, right. that they really have to sort stuff out because it strikes me they're they're hemorrhaging exactly the kind of valuable trust that right. that is the mechanism by which they get all this free data from people. Right. Right. And they really there's a couple of things that that are really putting in place some caps on their potential. So I don't believe that Facebook's going to go away anytime soon. Um, I think there's a lot of people who. There are a lot of people who rely on Facebook to do a lot of things, including promoting our podcast. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but there's a lot of people who rely on data. I mean, rely on Facebook for kind of essential things. And I don't think they're going anywhere. But I think what this this kind of two-part thing that's happening, which is the loss, the loss of public trust, um, and then also the potential regulatory restrictions that might limit the total value of the data that they're collecting or their ability to collect um, data that will be valuable in the future. I think those two things right there are starting to, kind of like with Apple and the, the desktop computing world, is creating a more a greater sense of kind of a finite quality to their potential. And Facebook still is trying to be in that world where their potential needs to be a multiple of their current value. So it's not just about what their value is today in terms of the revenue that they're bringing in. It's like, what is the potential value when they can fully capture all that, you know, all that future revenue because of new products that they spin off or new data that they sell or anything like that. And, suddenly that ceiling looks a lot lower. Mm-hmm. And for, for tech companies, lowering that ceiling means that they're essentially going to be facing kind of real challenges in continuing to grow in that direction. And so right now, Facebook is, is starting to look at that lowered ceiling and trying to figure out what to do about it. Yeah, yeah. Man, sorry. I, sometimes, sometimes when you talk, it's almost hypnotic. if if that means that you're not going to break me off you know and i'm uh, making you get very very sleepy no no Um, no not not at all i didn't mean it that way i just uh you're sort of storytelling about uh, facebook and 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 kind of what it faces in this moment you really it, it strikes me as one of the one of the profound achievements of kafka is that he makes you feel like you're in a bug you know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. this is say your your ability to make me think about what it would like to be like to be Facebook right now is Kafka esque. <laughs> to be vermin. Yeah, exactly. Um, what is it like being vermin? Uh, right. Well, so let's 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 play this game. Let's let's play a game here. So ooh. let's let's do storytelling. Uh, let's do narrative storytelling um, as if we are Facebook. Let's uh, as, as if we are Facebook's uh, head of uh, corporate storytelling. Um, Five years from now, mm-hmm. right? So we're so in one version of the story. Um, so I, I think we have three different options on how Facebook proceeds. So Facebook, you could say Facebook changes nothing. They say, look, this will blow over, right? Which, which is what they did at first, right? That was the the natural response because it's expensive, it's difficult, and it's scary to pivot or make a change of any sort. So this will blow over. Throw some some classic crisis communications in there, say the right thing, make the right apology, and just keep going, and eventually people will move on to something else. Right. 
Um, the second thing is that Facebook makes makes a massive pivot, and they find some way of of altering their revenue strategy. They move away from collecting data and they do something else, right? Right. Um, and I don't know, and and they don't know what it is. I certainly don't know what it is. Um, but they, but they, the idea of essentially extracting and selling access to data. And when I mean selling access to data, I mean being able to target ads on Facebook with it, being able to you know, develop apps that can extract data um, so that therefore people are motivated to develop these apps into the Facebook environment, things like that. Um, so that's number two, is that they find some other way than that to continue to grow the platform and grow the value that um, they can get out of it. And the third way is that they fail. So as a head of a corporate storytelling, um, I don't, I'm not going to be employed soon, but I'm writing the obituary for the company. Okay, okay. Um, I'll, I'll use, <laughs> I've been reading this, um, like Ernie has these like dreams and he has dream adventures with Bert and Elmo. And in what? I need a little children's, bit of context. In children's books, bedtime stories for oh. my daughters. Oh, <laughs> gotcha. it was like an Ernie. I don't know Ernie in... in yeah, in, yeah, in Ernie. Is he a, a tech startup? Burton Ernie. Nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> invented, I have this old wizard voice that I like to use. So nice. for our play acting. So it's like, and so here we were at the climactic moment of having to decide about whether or not we would continue data mining. <laughs> By the way, you clearly do not know any heads of corporate storytelling. <laughs> Although I would love it if, like, that's who they started hiring. Were these, these like, let me dust off this old tome, open it up, and. Uh... Oh man! No, in my head, I was like, I was really trying to think there for a second. Like, what, what else could they do? And and the okay. first thing I thought was, uh, you know, just do the proletariat revolution, right? That, like. <laughs> <laughs> what's they, your answer facebook just just they threw up their hands and they they led the overthrow of the uh of the bourgeoisie right well if you ask karl marx like hey there's a there's a platform that connects two billion people and he's like are most of those people working class and it's like well yeah obviously he's like well then it's re relatively clear what connecting <laughs> mark those people has got to go all in on marxism is what you're saying yeah <laughs> 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 that nice. is a pivot. Nice. That's a real pivot. That is a pivot. <laughs> nice. I'm gonna I'm gonna run this up the flagpole to Facebook. See what their uh, yeah their, their shareholders think. Just know, like we've 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 opted for the the we are vermin marketing campaign and the proletariat revolution <laughs> so far. Nice, nice. God, Toby, I I keep realizing. Um, why you haven't gotten those calls from all those other uh, <laughs> careers you've <laughs> considered? Yeah, there might be there might be some pretty judicious editing on this one. <laughs> um, all right, but what does this look like to you? Okay, so sorry, let we could pretend we cut all of that. You are our Facebook's head of corporate marketing. Five years from now, you've done a pivot. How do you sell this to the public at large and to your own corporate structure? Right. So, so if I'm, if I'm, so let's assume, so I, the, I'm going to leave this big blank space in the story, which is I have no idea strategically what the pivot was. But in some ways but that I doesn't matter. Like, right. like the particular nature of the pivot, you know, going from a hardware store to a sandwich shop is not nearly right. as important as the story of the pivot. Right. Exactly. And, and the outcome, it doesn't matter. It almost 
doesn't matter what the company is now doing. It just matters that growth is now back. To, the, the potential for growth is now back to where it was or even above. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I, you know, imagining myself writing this um, kind of glossy, uh, you know, 250 page company book on kind of the challenges the company faced and now um, and how we overcame it and found kind of a whole new potential growth. I would say something like, you know, in, in 2018, the company really faced a reckoning with its kind of its formative nature, the company that had been born of this idea of connecting people and of collecting data to really support that was really struggling with the idea that the growth that was being demanded of it uh, was pushing it into practices that it was no longer comfortable with and it no longer felt like it could support. And the company discovered that there was a way to better help the world and at the same time really find new opportunities to, um, for all its stakeholders to, to realize kind of the real potential of what Silicon Valley, what, the, what tech was supposed to do for not just the United States, not just for companies, not just for shareholders, but for the world and maybe even for the universe. Um, you know, something along those lines, right? Like you, you, you frame the idea that you were a part of the reckoning that you, mm-hmm. that you too saw that you, you joined alongside kind of the, the tension that was being felt publicly to discover a new opportunity and that this was a win, win, win for everybody. And yeah. I think that's, that's the way that you take something that right now is kind of corporate malfeasance potentially and turn it into something that retroactively becomes kind of a narrative of innovation and a narrative of new potential. And it kind of, it lionizes everyone who was a part of it. Right, right. And it's like the moment where you'd pivot from connecting people as a de facto good to connecting people actually needed to be done, not for its own sake, but for reversing climate change. Or right, right like exactly. whatever that, whatever that, you you suddenly go from being a kind of just based on a certain action to actually maybe even like a kind of mission oriented right uh, platform from a narr- from a narrative perspective at least right um, right not yeah you might you might be doing similar practices right or your practices you've monetized it in a different business model standpoint but. You know, you, you know, again, as long as it's a company, and I, I don't say this in a cynical way, and I don't say this in a way meaning to be critical of companies, as long as it's a company, its first and foremost um, priority is to um, produce shareholder value. Mm-hmm. And, and that will always be the case, as long as these corporate structures are, are built like this. And I, that's, I don't, and Milton Friedman would agree with me. Milton yeah. Friedman, <laughs> I'm not saying anything that would be considered to be a, uh, anything other than just that's what businesses are. And, so my, my and, final question for you then is, do you think Facebook will successfully do this? Hmm. So that's, gosh, that's a lot. That's a lot harder because, I mean, I think, the, again, the instinct at first is to just kind of weather it mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, and, I, and the question of whether after this, this week of congressional testimony and kind of the charm offensive by Zuckerberg is going to do that or not. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell that people care that much about their data privacy, really, when you get down to it. Um, like one possibility is that Facebook goes under, but then another company basically that's doing the exact same thing and is fitting the exact same market need that people have rises mm-hmm. up and does the exact same thing. So if it's Facebook, not in name, but in 
style or in substance. Um, I mean, that's potential, I guess. I think the question to me is, can is there a different revenue model that Facebook can actually offer? I know that um, Sheryl Sandberg threw out there, I think, something along the lines of a, uh, well, there could be a, basically a don't take my data account that you pay for, um, which then, of course, implicitly creates a please take my data account that you don't. Um, yeah, you don't pay for. Um, so I, I suspect that's that's floating a balloon that isn't meant. I don't see that as being that viable because I'm not sure that. I mean, this is what newspapers have been struggling with, right? Newspaper like Facebook. Interestingly enough, if you take away its like um, data mining practices, it ends up actually in the same place as sort of traditional media does, which is advertising itself doesn't support. Doesn't, doesn't by itself support the site when when some of its core revenue streams are disappearing. Mm-hmm. And now it has to figure out a way to get people to pay for something that was previously free. Um, and that's hard. Getting people to pay for something that they think is free, me, people have devalued it to a point where it's hard to get people to see it in any other light. So the ability to share photos with somebody um, on a, you know, with all your friends on a timeline where they can just all sort of find it and it upload to their, fo- you know, accessible right from their phone or whatever. I mean, it's, I think it would be, it would be, it would be disingenuous of us. And I think, and I think it is disingenuous of a lot of people or at least short sighted of a lot of people to not acknowledge what a miracle Facebook is technologically, Hmm. like how remarkable it is. And I think it's getting lost right now in the whole Facebook as vermin narrative (laughs) put out here. Um, Facebook's amazing. Facebook is spectacular. Like it can do things. We take for granted that stuff is now available to us that just was not available to us before. Right. So let let's not lose that. The question is: is do can people can they make people pay for it, or can they find another way of supporting the business, or do they like with Xerox that moved away from photocopiers into kind of business systems as paper as offices started going paperless? Is there something else that Facebook can do that is a totally different business? What that's a long way, I guess, of me saying Facebook may or may not. I don't think the history of we have some success bias around pivots because we only know the ones that pivoted successfully. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, like we don't we we don't keep track of all the um, uh, what was it like Pepsi one or Pepsi zero or whatever. Or Coke, Coke zero. Yeah. There's like yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's all the right. There's all these kind of failed products. There's also things like for every for every Xerox that makes a certain amount of um, shift, we don't. You know, Kodak really didn't. I was. Make that shift. That's what I was, I was like. What happened to Kodak? Right. I think they may still be around. I, this is this is terrible. Let's say that they're still around, but they are certainly the fraction of what they were. Yeah. So what I would say is that it's difficult to even think of how to ask the question here. Right. Right, it's so easy to see even in the future. I, I think you're right that it's going to be, it, it's really going to be hard to at this stage to predict what Facebook kind of could do to pivot and what the likely outcome of that is. I think if I were to kind of do the horse race thing or do the, um, you know, do the do that thing where you're trying to predict what the likelihood of it is, I'd say probably sixty percent chance it weathers this. It suffers kind of some reduced market potential. It kind of gets through it. You, you know, some fairly superficial regulations are put in place, or something like that, and it just kind of pushes through. And I think that's probably the sixty percent chance. And I, you know, it's a huge company with a massive amount of resources. 
I'd say probably it'll succeed in, or it'll continue to move forward in some way, shape, or form. And if anything, it kind of atrophies over time a bit, but it'll have invested in something else. I'd say that there's probably a 30% chance that it does some sort of significant pivot that becomes, let me say 20% chance, that there's a significant pivot that becomes like a whole new opportunity that really kind of puts back in place this kind of real growth potential that Facebook, I think, is relying on it having, itself having. Um, and then I think there's probably a 20% chance that it's ultimately this is the beginning of the end for Facebook. And, and not that, in kind of the way that AOL is still around, I don't see Facebook going out of business, but, but you could end up in an AOL space where it's, you know, what, what was once a mighty king. And I have a, a friend of mine who used to uh, work at AOL, um, kind of pre.com bust. Mm -hmm. And he was like, we were just, I mean, we were, he was like, we were so snobby. Like companies would come in and pitch us and we're just like, oh, we don't need you. Right. And they had such this air of superiority. AOL, in that way, AOL and Facebook, I think, there's, there's uncomfortable analogs if you're Facebook today to what AOL was. Mm -hmm. And so I'd say there's probably about a 20% chance of that being the case. So all of which is to say, the idea of a successful pivot, I'm basically giving it a 20% chance that that's actually going to happen. Um, and the idea that pivots themselves are so formative in kind of this narrative, and they hold, hold such this like kind of kingly space in how we talk about companies, I think is... Is interesting because they maybe because they are so hard. Um, well, let's let's. They're let's, not inevitable. And they're not inevitably successful. Let's push beyond interesting. The fact that companies, and this is a, a key element of our, our, our three part three part recipe for how companies self self mythologize. Is it apocalypse or utopia that companies have this pivot impulse? That's interesting that the, the idea that the pivot is kind of an essential piece of this narrative is that is that ultimately destructive or is that ultimately a, a is that ultimately a bad thing? Yeah, um, and I mean maybe I'll kick us off a little bit by, by a quick reference to William Morris's News from Nowhere, which mm. people don't necessarily need to know about. It's essentially, it's like a, a sort of socialist utopia whereby this guy falls asleep and maybe dreams slash maybe actually travels to the future. Um, and it's a socialist utopia in which they've deindustrialized. Everyone's doing this beautiful artisanal agrarian living. Marriage is gone. Property relations are gone. Everybody sh shares in the, the work of the community and the community is like work is nourishing itself and producing beautiful objects mm -hmm. uh, like art, this sort of thing. And in this future world, there's a kind of stasis and there's a discomfort even. I mean, this is, a, you know, there's always this trouble in this future utopia, utopia. Um, but there's a kind of stasis. There's no reason anybody needs to really change the way of being. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is part of the discomfort. They no longer study history, really, in the future because history is only sort of meaningful uh, as a sort of as a progress narrative. So now they just sort of live in these sort of seasonal right. cycles and uh, and it's beautiful. <laughs> so, 
it, it, it's kind of a lovely book. I taught it a few years ago at St. Mary's College, and the students were like, well, this is kind of lame. <laughs> and I was like, but it's also kind of beautiful, isn't it? Like, this guy really talked through a dream of his, of, of this non-competitive, non-exploitative mm -hmm. world that, that reorients itself around, like, nourishing, supportive relationships and art. It sounds like, um, a, uh, like a Simon and Garfunkel song. It is, yeah. Simon and Garfunkel would definitely be there as well, um, but <laughs> Pre, like before, before, before they're they got in a away fight from each other. Yeah, exactly right. Exactly right. Um, so I don't know. I, I'm gonna give the pivot like a like a four, you mm. know, because there there is something to be said for stability, and and maybe I'm just saying that because it's the year 2018 and nothing seems stable, mm. but the the compulsory need to shift models all the time in order to maximize value it feels mm -hmm. like a lot can be lost there you know right. the so i don't know four that's that's that that is the most socialist response i think i've heard you give yet <laughs> um so that that is that is not only um, because, because by 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 tossing out the pivot as being an as being essential and also and ultimately an essentially positive uh, response, what you're essentially saying is markets, uh, businesses, and companies should should stop trying to kind of maximize their market exploitation, and they should just they should essentially just uh, stagnate into just hey they're good at doing this and they they essentially become like uh, craftspeople. But I think exploitation and stagnate like these are the words. <laughs> of the problem you know These like why not, why not <laughs> I, I am the words of the why problem why not why not rest why not serve you know yeah like it's not like you know like various sorts of like services for the community you don't see libraries trying to I expand mm -hmm. you know like Right. The library serves its need in the community, and then it maintains like a certain kind of communal stasis. If the community gets bigger, you could build another library. Right. But right. there's no need to exploit, and not changing doesn't make them stagnant. Right, right. Well, so, I mean, I think your point is really well taken. Um, and in some ways, those are, the I think, the things that make us uncomfortable at times about sort of this um, a market system and I think you know kind of this capitalist system in particular where capital and I'm saying capitalist capitalist not in sort of this you know down with the capitalist but just in a system that where capital is driving a lot of innovation but capital in turn expects growth in return so um so you it's it, it's not really allowable to stagnate right it's not really allowable to like if I've invested in libraries and the lives the, the head of the library comes back and says hey you know we're serving enough people like, I mean, the community seems like it's getting enough books. Um, we're good. You know, it's, I, I'm like, well, I, I invested in the idea that you're going to continue to grow my, my, my money, and that's not going to do it. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, so you're expressing the dubiousness of, of, about capitalism in general, and the pivot, I think, is an essential – I mean, there's a, there's a term, right, evolve or die, right, which is very kind of contemporary um, – and, so, and, and it's, it's very much in kind of this disruptor startup speak where you kind of get this evolve or die um, concept. Um, and I just think I, at, at risk of sounding um, kind of a little, a little sharky, um, 
I think the idea of the pivot as being an essential narrative structure and how businesses operate allows, I think it's really helpful. It allows business leaders, kind of that little, that little exercise in corporate storytelling I just did, it allows business leaders to explain a shift in thinking in a way that is legible to shareholders, that shareholders get um, that holding on may not be the best thing. So if, if mm. Facebook basically weathers this storm, um, they actually are going to continue doing things that people are very problematic with or they find very problematic that people have problems with. And um, by having the language of the pivot, they have a tool, whether they'll use it or not, I don't know, but they have a tool to essentially invest in significant change and significant transformation to, now they could do that to exploit another market sector. They could do that to continue to be um, kind of very self-oriented, or they could, you know, they could be, they could kind of have a come to Jesus internally and say, you know, we're going to, um, you know, make this pivot and really kind of man in the mirror it, you know? And um, that's my Michael Jackson reference for today. Yeah, that, well done. Very nice. Um, will they do it? Probably not. I mean, frankly, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to get away from some of the pulls of kind of, you know, really got to show returns and things like that. The likelihood that they're going to suddenly become more socially oriented, um, kind of triple bottom line oriented, things like that. I mean, it'd be easier not to. But at least with the pivot concept, they have language to make a significant change. And they have cover under that language. That narrative gives them, has meaning and gives them some some storytelling to be able to get people on board, particularly if people would rather them just keep doing it and say, look, it's, you're going to be fine. Um, and keep pushing the same, but maybe the same problematic strategies that they've um, been pushing to date. So that's, you yeah. know, it's... I mean, so I didn't, haven't given a number yet. Um, and so that's my yeah, long sounds, way of saying... It sounds saying, to me like you're, you're going with the lateral move into vermin prognostication. Right. <laughs> exactly. When, but I want to make a, you know, a strategic move into vermin. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to say that the pivot is actually one of the great, um, the great narrative um, successes of the text storytelling um, strategy. I'm I'm not quite as sold on some of the other ones, but I would say the pivot. I'm going to give it an eight. So, you know, I could it lead us to uh, apocalypse, but you know, I mean, no more so than I think just the general rush for businesses to to exploit as much as they can. I think the idea that businesses can reach a certain point and have a way to rethink their direction and go in another one, and then and use that as a way to manage their boards and their shareholders and things like that it feels like it's a really essential tool and when wielded well can really create more flexibility and strategic direction than um, would otherwise be possible. Yeah. Well, I look forward to seeing some pivots in the coming weeks then. That's right. Like a ballerina. <laughs> is that what they do? Yes. <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm not sure they call it pivoting. I think pirouetting is probably closer, but you know oh. what? I'm sure they're derived from the same kind of thing. I don't speak French. Yeah. Nice. We got it. Well, let's let's pivot out of this episode. <laughs> exactly. And on to the uh, next week. We have a great show coming up. Oh, man. Many, I imagine. <laughs> I have no idea what it is, but I'm sure. Epic. Yeah. Yeah. It might be a little bit secret. 
we'll right, see. all right. Well, we have. I think next week maybe a guest episode. Um. So uh, so. Uh, perhaps. Uh, perhaps. Stay tuned to the uh, the Twitter. All right. I'll talk to you later, man. All right. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye.